Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we are watching the 1955 musical Guys and Dolls, because it's turning 65 years old. Insert impressed whistle sound here. <whistles> Joining me, as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Dr. Ellen Sears. Hi, Stephen. Hello, Dr. Ellen. How are you? I am very well. Thank you for asking. Now, Ellen, there's a few people who may have been listening to the last couple of episodes <laughs> may have known that um, you and I had a bit of a special event recently. Yes, we got married recently. That's right. Ring-a-ding-ding. Hey. We are now officially <laughs> married. We've got the rings to prove it. We do. We, obviously, this is an audio format, so just trust us. We've got them. Oh, we can put a picture up on the Patreon if they really want to see it or on the Facebook page or something. That's true. Um, I am going to update the Thought Jar blog with a thing because I've done it for all our other like major like engagement and various other things and PhDs. We'll put yours up when you get your PhD too. Oh yeah, it's all doctor coming along. Doctor and doctor. Mm. Doctor and doctor and doctor. All yes. three of us. Woo-hoo. But, but for now, uh, Dr. Allen says you, you had a nice wedding, I trust? I had a very nice wedding aside from the fact that it was really friggin' hot and that made me want to die for a little bit, but the rest of it was nice. Yes. Just the weather. <laughs> Yes, that's that's. Which is funny because I feel like most people would be like, "No, I want it to be nice and warm." And I was like, "No, give me freezing cold. I want it to be like snowing." Yes, it was a thirty-one degree Celsius day here in uh, WA when so hot. when the wedding happened, and it was a little warm. Uh, let's move on from the wedding, though. Uh, joyous as an occasion, though it was. You've not seen Guys and Dolls. No, I've seen a live version of it. Um, when I was in year nine, um, when I was in high school, they did Guys and Dolls, and I auditioned for it. And I didn't get in, and I don't know why but i was a little bit annoyed about that because i was like but like i do things and i'm good at them please cast me no um but yeah it was a really good production and the way they had it set up was because we didn't have a a theater at my school because we were in government school we had no money um they actually did it like a theater in the round type thing so we were all sat at little tables and they basically built rostra like little platforms in like a massive l shape going around two sides of this huge room Mm. and it was really cool because you know we had like characters going through the audience and the big dance things were up on like a certain part of it that was the stage so i'm i'm familiar with guys and dolls i'm familiar with like the show and the songs and those kind of things but i've just never ever watched the movie so yeah okay and obviously you and our other guest who i'll introduce shortly are both uh, somewhat involved in the world of musicals oh yeah Um, somewhat what where is guys and dolls in terms of like your general uh, if you have a general ranking of musicals, is it in like the um, top echelon? Is look, it in it's, the? It's, it's fine. It's, it's it's done a lot for um obviously a lot of different reasons. I think it's very popular partially because it's that whole like oh like gangsters and mobsters and pretty girls thing, which people love doing because it's easy to costume. Um, and it's a very like classic 
boy boy meets girl thing. There's a lot of nice, rousing, fun numbers in it and that sort of thing. I don't know um, that it's necessarily like up there, like this was like a genre-changing, amazing thing, but it's a pretty solid example, I think, of a musical from that kind of time period. We were um, talking on the way over about, you said that this particular film was made only a couple of years after the um, original um, production mm. was put on, which is always nice when you actually have a production that's quite close to when the original stage production was done because that gives you, I think, maybe not an exact sense of what it would have been like in performance, but it gives you a, a, a bit of a gist, which I think is always quite nice, whereas sometimes you have musicals that you know came out in the 60s or whatever and then they're like, we're going to do a film adaptation like 20 years later and you're kind of going how close is this actually going to be to the stage production? And some of them really go the full hog and they're just like, we're going to make this very much a film and not kind of performative and like the stage production. And I think that's also a fine way of adapting things. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what it looks like. It's been a long time since I've watched Cars and Dolls in any capacity. So yeah, I'm interested to see what the what the film version looks like. Well, joining us as our guest who has seen the film, uh, it is Dr. Sarah Curtis. How are you, Dr. Sarah? Oh, I'm pretty good. How are you, Mr. Platt? Uh, I'm I'm very well. Married, don't you know? A married man, yes. I, I was there. Yes, that's right. Um, and Dr. Sarah, you have seen Guys and Dolls. I have, and I also was not cast in this show. Oh, But all, that's because I never auditioned for it, so oh, right. that oh, could be why. Well. <laughs> um, so in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what can people like Ellen and myself, who've not seen the film version of Guys and Dolls, what can we expect? Um, okay, I will admit it's been a very long time since I watched it. I think I watched it when I was about 16. Mm-hmm. Um, although I will... It's not of... that long ago. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's my youthful complexion. Mm. <laughs> um, I did actually see a list just yesterday from the 60s or 70s that put Guys and Dolls in the top 10 musicals ever of, Interesting. The, to- of the time. Mm. Um, I disagree with that, but then we have <laughs> come a long way since then. Mm. Mm. Um, I... You know, there are some problems with this show, um, a lot of them because of the era it was made. Mm. And we've moved on since then, and we've made improvements in our ethics and other things. <laughs> um, That's a very pointed way of putting it. I like it, yes. Um, oh, now there's a bunny eating my toes. Oh, yes. We are in uh, Sarah's house today, and that means that Nori the bunny uh, is making an appearance, just running around our feet and giving them a little chew. Um, I-, I guess... Same thing for you. Um, you maybe have hinted at it already, but that question that I asked uh, Dr. Ellen about guys and dolls in terms of your own ranking, is is it is it a text that you're like, I love it, or is it a text where you're like, I don't particularly like it, but I recognise it's important, or is it the Spongebob musical? Is it just way down there? <laughs> Look, nothing is the Spongebob musical. Ex- I mean, I got five minutes into that particular show before I turned off. I don't mm. feel like you were its particular demographic. I don't think I was no. either. I mean, I watched a musical last night um, Hello Again, mm. which I think was a lot worse than Guys and Dolls. I, I, I enjoy Guys and Dolls. Um, mm. It's if you want a bit of mindless fun. Mm. Um, I might revise that um, when I watched again because it has been so long. But mm. there are certain mm. songs that annoy me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're the, they're the traditional comedy songs from the era, which... They're not enjoyable to listen to, and I'm sure they're funny um, if you like that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but you just my sense so much like your mother that was amazing. <laughs> I know I'm more of a Gilbert and Sullivan kind of girl. That's so. fair. And mm. um, the final question before we get into it: How close is it to the Simpsons version that stars Mark Hamill? Uh, their production of Guys and Dolls. How close is this film to 
Does anyone say Luke be a Jedi tonight? Um, well, yes, they do. Mm. Um, that's because of their accents. They're so bad. Oh, right. Um, but, um, I mean, I don't watch The Simpsons, so... <laughs> That's fair. All right. Well, uh, that is uh, going to do it for this first bit. Shall we watch Guys and Dolls? Let's do it. Yeah, let's let's have some fun. Okay. For those of you listening at home, uh, pop in those DVDs and prepare to meet a bunch of crazy guys and dolls. Guys and Dolls, we have just watched Guys and Dolls, oh yeah, 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 that song is not in this film, it's only in The Simpsons, what a surprise. Uh, welcome back everybody, we have just finished watching Guys and Dolls, and by we, I of course mean Dr. Sarah Curtis, Sup. and Dr. Ellen Sears. Hello. Uh, Dr. Ellen, I was very surprised to find that the Simpsons Guys and Dolls song was not actually in the musical, uh, but aside from that, how was Guys and Dolls? How was watching the film of Guys and Dolls for you? It was more enjoyable watching it in a theatre, I'm not going to lie. It was very long. Um, it, yeah. Meh. It was, not, it was not particularly thrilling for me. That's entirely fair. Um, I should also point out it is a mid-30 degree day, like 34 degree day. And, and Ellen hates summer. Yeah. yeah. No, there is that as well. No, no, no. It's, it's not just that. It's just that it was very long. I was already a little bit tired anyway, which didn't help, but it's just a very, very long and like the way it was filmed, like it was just, yeah, just very long scenes. It's just very long. So your main impression is that it was long. Yeah, more or less. Longer than it was pretty, interesting. Definitely longer than it was interesting. Mm. Lots of pretty colors, lots of interesting, we are making our body into shapes and doing the choreography thing. Mm. Um very interesting looking at the um, like strong influence of modern dance coming through here and kind of looking at this and looking at what comes after it, like, you know, West Side Story um, with all the work that Jerome Robbins did and then looking at the kind of shapes that are being made here and the kind of uh, isolations that are starting to emerge and being like, oh, cool, like this is stuff that Bob Fosse would then go on to like really hone in on and work with. But, like, as a standalone thing, it's kind of, like, there's a lot of misogyny. There's a lot of, like, yeah, like, it's it's fine to look at, pretty to look at, but it's just very long. And I think there's been a lot better things done since then. Some musical theatre purist is going to come in the comments and at me and be like, no, it's the best thing ever. And I'm just going to go, no, it's just not my thing. No, Sorry. what you can say is I've got a doctorate, bitch. I mean, yeah, there is that. <laughs> I do have a PhD in this. Mm, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, specifically your PhD also looks at choreography, yes. uh, which we'll get onto in a little bit. Um, yes. Sarah, this was your first time watching Guys and Dolls since you were 16. Um, so that's a little over a decade ago. Um, how... <laughs> How did it uh, stack up for you this time around? Um, I'm not sure why it's a musical. Mm. I know one of the, it was based on a play and it should have stayed a play. Like its strength was the script. I think it could have been a play with songs. Yeah. I mean, like the dancing was good too, but also we'd get halfway through a 10 minute dance sequence and I'd be like, cool, I like, get it. You're gambling. Mm. Move on. So like, you know, as, as pretty as the dancers were, I can't really, like most of the songs, I don't remember the tunes of right now and mm. I just watched it. 
And I thought that was just, be, you know, that was an issue before because I was 16 when I last saw it. No, no, it was just, they're not very memorable songs. All of the, all of the ballady type things are very forgettable. Like the, I'm in love with you and you're in love with me song is very forgettable. Which song was that? Because there was probably about six Speci- in this one. I know, there was, there's, that's the thing. There's lots of songs and they sound very, very like similar to each other. And I think part of that, it might be a holdover from, you know, your 20s and 30s musicals and even your 40s musicals where they were like, oh, this musical did real bad. This song's pretty good though. Let's just transplant it into this other one. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these songs felt like they could be in almost any show from this era, apart from the ones where they were like, we're singing about like shooting crap. So like any of the songs about like romance and men being crap, I was like, these are just standard musical theater songs that you could just about have in any show like they Mm. just were hitting on a lot of tropes and obviously that was a you know they had a formula and the formula worked and people liked it it did feel very. but i don't think it lands anymore it did feel very formulaic oh yeah from from my perspective as someone who is i've seen a few musicals i haven't written a phd about it um and that makes me the outsider in this room room of three (laughs) me and the rabbit who are running around are the two that haven't (laughs) written phds but but from my perspective it did feel a bit Eh, in terms of it, it just felt like there was not very much that made this stand out. I think maybe the thing that made it stand out is that there was some actually pretty good acting in it. Not that musicals don't have good acting, but like the bits, the scenes between um, the characters of Skye and Sarah when they weren't singing were actually pretty well acted, sort of interesting, um, very problematic, but that's... A, more of a text issue um yeah the, sure. the actual performances i thought were actually pretty good um mm, yeah uh, especially adelaide which is funny because she's the type of character who i personally hate watching in musicals yeah with the, the whiny, big accent whiny yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. um and she's always a dancer yeah she's always a dancer she's yeah. exactly the same stereotype as lena lamont yeah from singing in the rain exactly. it's that whiny annoying blonde chorus girl that nobody likes but she was the most interesting character in the whole show and like you know adelaide's lament as much as i hate that style of song was the one that actually got me most interested yeah and uh, like, i think i think part of that is down to the performance mm. yeah vivian like, blaine great, who, who played yeah great performance uh, miss adelaide her. She doesn't get a last name. Everyone else does. Of course she doesn't. She's a woman and it's the, you know. She's about to get married. She's going to take his name. It doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah, it's like a Shakespeare play. She gets married and all of a sudden she doesn't say anything Mm. anymore. But but she was very good. (laughs) She Um, was really good. I I actually empathise with that character. Yeah, and I was saying it while watching uh, this with you guys. I was saying to Sarah about how it reminded me of, and I still can't remember her name, but from Little Shop of Horrors, um, the the lead. Oh, the um, Audrey. Audrey, yes. Which is also the name of the plant, yeah. Yeah, where Audrey has the, has the is that exact same sort of trope, where it's yeah. a character who's got a very annoying voice like this. but um, And is getting abused by a man. Yeah. yeah there's a, there's a, that's a whole subset of characters right there yeah. for musical theatre. Thank but you, But I, I think it felt very much like, as you say, Ellen, it feels very much like it's part of that thing that could potentially have been really grating. And I didn't find it grating. I thought Adelaide was great. I thought she was a little bit... Um, psychopathic but then i kind of feel like pretty much all the characters in this are psychopaths they're not good people no they're really not yeah or or at the very least have got some some issues um here and there um frank frank sinatra um what a a beautiful voice Mm. what a dickhead but what a voice yeah (laughs) It's, it's been such a long time since i've seen any film with frank sinatra in it i don't think i've ever actually watched a film with him in it yeah um i I was. I almost feel he had the flip of what Marlon Brando had, 
which was his singing was, you know, it's Frank Sinatra. Like, he, he can croon. He was crooning oh, his way he all was through it. definitely crooning. I, I didn't necessarily love his, his acting. Um, it was fine. Yeah, it wasn't sitting there going... He was just Frank Sinatra being Frank Sinatra. Yeah. It wasn't... That's... I guess it wasn't really acting. He was just, like, responding to the name Nathan. That was kind of, like, the biggest <laughs> jump he had to make. Well, considering that the lyrics are very repetitive, that's, um, you know, how it goes in this show. Mm. I love you. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's really interesting that they had... In their two male leads, they had someone who was an actor and not a singer, and a singer and not an actor. And so the eternal balance is trying to get somebody who can do all of them. And then if you can get somebody who can dance as well, bonus. Although yeah. you'll notice that those two didn't do a lot of dancing. Yeah, and also Hugh Jackman wasn't that wasn't old enough <laughs> in this time period. He was he was not knocking around doing his no, thing. No, he was not around. Yet. Um, but but yeah, I, I think of of the two, I was more invested in. Sky's story, which I suppose makes sense because that's where the original short story comes from, with um, with with, with between Sky and and Sarah Brown and that whole you know unlikely romance, but if we can, can we call, call it, it a romance, romance? but yeah, okay, <laughs> the unlikely coming together of um, a gambler and a, a mission, mission worker, yeah, yeah, um, it was interesting, but I really kind of felt that the songs in their bits. We're kind of just stopping the plot happening to an extent. I was, I was kind of just yeah, like... Yeah, that's not how you should feel in a musical. You should be like, I feel like this is advancing stuff and doing things. Although yeah. that said, integrated musicals had only really been around for about a decade at this point. Like that kind of idea of... I mean, Hal Prince was still against integrated musicals at this point. For sure, yeah. I, I, think, I think the seeds of integration were there for a very, very long time, but because these were such disposable kind of forms of entertainment it was like mm. it doesn't have to be like you know it doesn't matter if the songs don't work with the plot as long as they're fun yeah and they're enjoyable and that was well on its way to shifting by this time yeah there were fun songs in this though i, yeah. th- I think the opening sequence where you've got all the people dancing around on the streets of broadway and all these like gambling and horse racing ruses and then the song where there's lots th- of fun little comedy yeah, bits th- in there the, as the well. three guys all singing about the different horses they're going to bet on Um, That was all really fun. And I think the fun songs do really work. And I think they're actually the ones that do that thing of advancing the plot as well. Um, Luck Be A Lady Tonight is quite fun. I don't think it's a particularly like, I don't think it's a bop. Uh, There are better better recorded versions of it. Yeah. But but I (laughs) also, but it's, but it was kind of like, it had that fun and and like, oh, there's some drama. Like it's all just in the lead up to a dice roll, but the dice roll has a lot on it. And it really feeds into that idea of Sky being this big gambler Mm. and he's gambling everything basically on this role and i felt that that particular song worked i also think the um sit down you rock in the boat worked See, that's, really a, well. that's a bit of a banger like that's actually quite a fun little song i think it really worked because it did advance a character uh, yeah it advanced it nicely nicely who just got up and like and that, i'm gonna make my confession now. that guy had a lovely voice as he well did. he he was my mvp for this film any bit with nicely nicely or benny in it i found very compelling i i found that they were really um really just fantastic um foils to to nathan and to the other more serious mobsters not that there are a huge amount of serious mobsters in this film because i just said that and then i thought of harry the horse <laughs> i know julie was my favorite oh yeah big julie yeah big julie oh yeah whoa come on i'm gonna win some money like oh i, I just chef's kiss just absolutely wonderful um and again those bits were fun there just weren't enough of them or, or, or at least like the rest of the film the rest of the narrative it just doesn't match it 
where it's mm. like I, I feel like guys and dolls could be quite good mm. or could have been quite good <laughs> in someone else's hands in, in a different creative team's hands so like if it was done as a revival now I, mm. And kind of like shuffled and around, a like revisal, get rid of the puff, the a revisal, songs, yeah. a revisal. So like, yeah. get rid of the songs, put new ones in there. Back with the, I, I mean, honestly, I agree with you. I, I think it would work better as like a play with songs rather mm. than anything, because I think it's still important. Like, you've got the hot box dances, like you've got you know this kind of show business thing in there, which a lot of musicals at this time did. Um, so I think there's still a space for, and you know, you've got the the mission people singing in doing their bits and pieces and whatever else. So I, f- I feel like there's there's room for music and dancing and bits and pieces, but maybe just a bit less, mm. which is something considering that I'm like the dance person. <laughs> okay, so on the dancing. Yeah. Um, how was the choreography for this film? Um, like I was talking about earlier, it was interesting um, looking at kind of the stylistic features that are coming through here. Michael Kidd is kind of known for um, very energetic like athletic, acrobatic, masculine sort of dancing. And this is the main thing that he's really well known for. He did the choreography for Finian's Rainbow as well, which was very like modern dance, like quite an interesting sort of piece. Um, And the dance in that had a lot to do with kind of like the plot. So it's a pretty kind of important one. Um, This is, this is very, I I I I think that, Michael Kidd walked so that people like Jerome Robbins could run, you know what I mean? Because we're heading into the 1950s now, so we're heading into West Side Story and um, Mm. all those kind of things are coming up around the corner any minute now. Um, And a lot of the stuff in here, I was like, oh, yeah, like I can see like Jerome Robbins here. I can see Fosse here. I can see, you know, lots of other elements coming through. Um, Honestly, I think the dance sections in this film in particular were a bit long and a bit boring. Um, like I just felt like they were too long, but I felt like most things in this film were just too long, but that might also be because we're also used to shorter kind of more basically like scenes that are like intercut with other things. Like if you were going to edit this film now in like a modern style, that scene where they're doing take back your mink, take back your pearls, that would have been intercut with the conversation. Like the conversation would have been happening between nicely, nicely and, and um, Sky at the same time. It wouldn't have been like, we're having half a conversation, the dance number is on, we're going through the whole thing and then we're going back, you know what I mean? Mm. So I feel like these longer scenes feel quite fatiguing because we're used to like the boom, 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 backwards and forwards. So I feel like that's part of it mm. as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... It's very pretty. They, ha- they, yeah. they had amazing... They were making incredible shapes and lines with their bodies. They were very athletic um, there were some really interesting things coming through with the way like the women were walking at the beginning, like mm. that very stylized uh, movement. Yeah. You know what it reminded me of actually, Sarah, a little bit was the choreography for Finding Neverland on Broadway. Oh yeah. You know, that very stylized kind of mm. thing. So I, I see a lot of this kind of style. Also, going through the Dalmatians. Yeah. Mm. The angles and yeah. the angles and the lines yeah. and, and, things. I, I and think, the colors as well. And yeah. I think they were the bits that maybe made it stand out for me because I, I quite liked the choreography, but I agree that the choreography was more interesting in in the male dancers. Yeah. In, in terms of like what the, what the to um, be fair, those girls were dancing in heels. They were dancing with no straps on the ankles, and I was like, 
That's a skill, but, keeping those but, damn shoes on. But their dancing was all happening in an established space. It was diegetic. Space, it was diegetic, yeah. the dancing for the men was like in, even yeah. though it was a stage space, you know, no sewer is that clean. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but it was happening. I've been to New York. I've smelt those sewers. Yeah. No it was, way are they It was happening <laughs> in the world. It was happening in the world that they were in, whereas what was happening with the with the ladies and with the golden girls yeah. and all that was, it was all happening. Yeah, so in, it was like, it was like it's, it's the difference yeah. between that like diegetic dancing stuff that is happening, that it, it's it's like, it's it's a thing that is happening, but it's because we're doing a performance hmm. in like inverted commas versus um, f- integrated dance, which is like the whole idea is that it's just happening because that just happens in this world. We just everybody starts dancing, which is what people find really hard to reconcile about musicals hmm. a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, it was really good. Um, like I said, I was really enjoying like the shapes and the lines. I was really enjoying the interplay with like the costumes and things as well and how they were, you know, accentuating certain accent, like parts of it. Like, you know, when you had the two women, they had lots of partnered women like doing bits and pieces hmm. um, and like strutting down the street with the shoulders moving and they had the 50s style skirts yeah. like those full skirts and they had these tiny little waists so they, they were doing a lot of really good stuff in terms of incorporating all of those visual elements together mm. with the dancing but there wasn't really like a standout bit where i was like that was like incredible it's not something like this is this is probably unfair but i'm going to compare it to what andy blank and Bueller did in hamilton because it's so totally far removed where you're just looking at it and you're like 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 the bullet for example you're just like that is a brilliant piece of storytelling mm. and is visually striking and it does so many different things on so many different levels. A lot of this I felt was quite like surface level. Like it's very pretty. It's giving you a vague idea about the world. Um, but like I didn't really connect with it on a really like deep emotional level. Yeah. You know, was I was the, watching there was no it like. dancer who was representing like Nathan's inability to be honest to Adelaide or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, like, you know, the, yeah, the, it's just not as laid or as nuanced mm. as a lot of stuff that's come since. And part of that is because it was still a very new art form, really. Was the cats dance the precursor to cats? Was that <laughs> was that what they should have done for the cats film last year? Maybe. Yeah, because maybe that was those costumes are great. I like yeah. the fringing under the boobs, mm. just to like accentuate the shape of the. Because you, if you're gonna have cats, you have to have sexy cats, right? Sarah is making the biggest <laughs> face at me right now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I don't know that you necessarily agree, Sarah. I don't think everything has to be sexy. Um, not I think everything has to be about sex. That's a very good point. Well, that I mean, in this fair. show it does because it's all about the romantic relations. Well, I say romantic. They had a great line about being ace right at the beginning and they was, didn't nail it. When he was talking about aces, he was talking about card games. So oh, he wasn't it's a metaphor. Oh, no, yeah. although we were also sitting there and just being, every time Brannigan came in and was talking to Nathan, we were like, oh, the sexual tension, cut it with a knife. Like, you know. I mean, that was the relationship I was invested in. I mm. honestly. And then when he was eating with Sky and yeah. he was like patting his hair and stuff, I was yeah. like. I have to say, I honestly did not find any undercurrent of that sexual tension between the male leads that you get in other things, like um, like in Les Mis. Yeah, Sometimes no. okay, with, yeah. with Javert and Jean Valjean, I'm like, particularly Javert to Jean Valjean, I'm like, okay, buddy, calm your farm. Like, yeah, you want him for justice, all right. But where, <laughs> that's where, what they call it these yeah, days. Whereas in, whereas in Guys and Dolls, I'm like, no, I think they are just both swindlers. I think we're maybe just looking for for ships where there is just water. Um, but because uh, we weren't interested yeah. in the actual ships. I suppose, yeah. That's it's the Oklahoma it problem. Mm. The main couple are not interesting. And in this, we had two main couples. Who, who neither of them were interesting, well, particularly. I mean, the story between Sky and Sarah was vaguely interesting until mm. he basically got her drunk in Havana and she was like, okay, let's get together. 
Yeah, I know what I'm doing. I've had far too much alcohol. I'm mm. going to try to, you know, jump you. This is a nice milkshake. Like, oh, no, please yeah. don't. That's... Uh, yeah, and it's interesting as well because because Sky doesn't take advantage of it in a sexual sense. Because when she's, like, getting all kissy and he's like, no, we shouldn't. Uh, and he goes a bit Batman and says, this is the night. And, like, I'm a thing of the night. I am the night, basically. He's a vampire. Yeah, uh, or a vampire, indeed. I would watch that film. Oh, he does Guys and Dolls. Yeah. Guys and Dolls mixed with Twilight. Yes. But yes. I really feel as though, like, a lot of his a lot of his behaviour was just really kind of appalling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a scumbag. Yeah. All the men in this are scumbags. And the only the reason point. he didn't take advantage was because it's a musical. Yeah. Like, let's face it, if this was real life... It like, would be a lot more like Streetcar street Nair. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Or Last Tango in Paris or... Yeah. Any other problematic film with Marlon Brando in it. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, I think it's just a real shame because it feels like this could have been... It feels like this could have been up there with something like Singing in the Rain with with a missing ingredient that I'm just not sure what it is. Um, good songs. Yeah. Good story. Yeah. Good songs, Interesting good story. Characters. Yeah, less, less scumbaggy men. Yeah. I think like like I, like Don Lockwood is like, and and Cosmo are fundamentally like. What what's the word I'm looking for? Decent human beings. Um, not Fun. decent human beings. No, no. Um, he's harmless. Like they're harmless. Just like, oh, gee, Willock is like mm. men, which is not what necessarily people are like in real life. But mm. in that world, they are. I yeah. don't think I've ever met a whoa, gee, Willock is kind of man. I mean. I'm sitting right here, Sarah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it, ultimately, I feel like this movie is just a bit of a shame and not that it's, it's, it's like, oh my God, the film is bad. I just feel like it missed the target. And I think that's a really awful, like problematic thing to be feeling at the end of it's the film. It's also 65 years since this film was done. Yeah. A lot has changed in 65 years. True. And even. Just even... with women's rights alone. Like, let's just. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I think it's, it's fun and it's, I think, to be honest, this film is kind of harmless in, in a sense, in terms of like, I don't think there's much substance to the story. It's very fairy floss. It's just a bit fluffy. Yeah. But say you had a rainy afternoon and you were staying indoors and you wanted to watch a two and a half hour musical. I would put this on while I was doing something else. I would watch Singing in the Rain. You'd watch Singing in the I Rain. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Okay. But you, so, if, it, yeah. if it was like, I'm stuck in a cabin, there is only a copy of like this to watch, I would probably be, maybe be like, I will put it on the back for like noise. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a few musicals. So you've got the film version of Les Mis. You've got, um, <laughs> you've got Guys and Dolls. You've got Singing in the Rain. You've got Cats from last year. Mm. They're the four films that you've got. Singing in the Rain. What I mean, I haven't no actually watched Cats yet. Neither so... have I, but I feel like I will enjoy it more than you. This is true. Okay, so you'll watch because Cats Sarah first. Because Sarah hates Cats. because to... I've never seen them. Okay, and then of the others? Uh, then probably Singing in the Rain, because mm. I know I'll enjoy it. Yeah. Then probably Les Mis, because even if I won't enjoy it, I like the music. Okay. <laughs> um, and then this one And last. then this one, yeah. You know oh. what? I would actually agree with that. I would be much the same. So okay. we'll be fine on our rainy afternoon together. And I don't know what you would watch, Stephen, but we're fine. He'll be out in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd actually, to be honest, I'd probably just, yeah, I'd go out in the rain when Cats was on because I'd just be like, I don't <laughs> need that eldritch horror inflicted upon me just yet. Um, but I, I kind of have to agree. I kind of feel as though, yeah, like it, it does feel just a little bit, 
nothing. Yeah. A yeah. bit, a bit meh. A bit, a bit like a, like a parfait, like it's or a souffle. It's just like a dessert. It's sweet, but it's barely there. It's mostly air. <laughs> that's that's kind of what this film is. And we least. haven't even got to the lyrics yet. Well, I was yeah okay. The lyrics, Sarah. Um, what were your thoughts on the lyrics? <laughs> Okay, I definitely had some thoughts. And now I know that my specialty is contemporary musicals where the lyrics actually mean something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am rather biased. <laughs> That's a sick burn. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, in that I like my lyrics to to matter. I like them to connect. I like them to have more than one meaning. Um, I like it, you know, not just to have standalone songs, but to bring the songs together to sort of, you know, have the multiplicity of meaning making that, you know, you can do in, you know, modern musicals. Mm. Like, if you're going to have standalone songs, yeah, make them fun, make them clever. Some of the songs were occasionally clever, like Sit Down, You're Rock in the Boat, I do love. Um, I enjoyed Adelaide's Lament. The other songs, you know, as we said before, they could be from anything. Mm-hmm. They were not specific enough to the context of the show, like occasionally they'll throw in some, you know, um, character names. Some character <laughs> names. They'll say Nathan, 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 Detroit, like ten billion times, just in case you forget who he is. And when you have repetition in lyrics, I like it to be useful repetition mm. to make a point, rather than I can't think of anything else to say. I'm going to say your name ten times in the hope that we'll forget that I couldn't write, a, you know, mm. more interesting lyrics. Okay, so how about a song we've not touched on is the one that I don't know the title of, which is maybe not a good start, Um, but it's the one where it's Nathan and Nicely Nicely and Benny, and they're out on the street, and they're singing, um, the guy is doing it for a doll. That's the the title song. That's Guys Guys and Dolls. dolls. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Yikes. Okay, so the Guys and Dolls theme song, I guess. Yeah. Um, how I, I, for me that kind of feels like it's sort of the most middling of the songs in this where it's like it's got a clear objective but i didn't find myself going like tapping my toes and going oh boy this is great um i guess does that does that song actually achieve anything achieve what it's meant to do and i mean i think the yeah. whole point of that song was they wanted to rhyme they're just reiterating what we already know. Yeah. Um, this, yeah is, this is just following in the realm of Cole Porter and like trying, witty lyrics. They're trying to be witty and they're failing. Mm. Um, and, you know, they, they nearly got there. There were some genuinely good lines in there, mm. but they weren't enough to be memorable. Right. And it didn't do anything to help the plot except, hey, we're misogynists, um, which I don't <laughs> think is a good enough plot to mm. float. But uh, taking it from... I suppose, 65 years ago, mm. when I'm assuming that people who were writing that song and performing that song weren't aware that they were being misogynists, or at least didn't consider... They were aware. Okay, wouldn't have considered it to be misogyny. Or a problem. Or a problem. <laughs> if if that was, I suppose, the perspective they were looking at, does that does that alter the way the song is is interpreted, I guess? Well, I think um, what Ellen said before that it's not Cole Porter and yeah. you know, Cole Porter was there doing it better, yeah. um, had done a lot of other stuff that was better, that was more interesting, that was wittier and that wasn't quite so sexist. Hmm. Um, you know, you can hum along and sing along to a lot of Cole Porter tunes hmm. and 
not get offended by them yeah and sit there and go yeah this is actually pretty clever you can still laugh at the jokes even now mm. see i'm thinking about like brush up your shakespeare from kiss me kate because mm. that's cole porter isn't it yeah that's brilliant yeah and some of those rhymes and the fact that they only work when done in a very broad new york accent like you know mm. that was not a new york accent that was terrible um <laughs> but you, know, you can admit it yeah, yeah. but yeah, I yeah, I was that's the thing when you're cons- when you're comparing this to like other things it's like yeah but like yeah Cole Porter was doing it better. Mm. And yeah, Cole Porter, you know, has songs See what like you're to do. De Lovely, which yeah. he's making up words to mm. to rhyme and it works. Yeah. And yeah. it's delightful. Yeah, it's so fun. But the, but the thing yeah, I suppose it's because I don't think it's a very good song, the the guys and dolls song. It should be Fine. we're just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls from the Simpsons. But I also wonder if it's being colored from our sort of contemporary perspective by the fact that it is incredibly misogynist um i I do wonder how much of that okay so if you want to think about misogyny and clever lyrics Mm. uh gilbert and sullivan yeah excellent songs excellent Mm. lyrics there are problematic songs in there there's quite a few of them Mm. um i enjoy singing them because they're clever and they're they're fun fun. to sing yeah 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 I, i i yeah i just i always find it interesting when particularly watching films from like this time period even non-musical films where i'm going there are certain things and certain ways that characters behave and act which i which are misogynist and which are or or they are some other ist or ism where i'm like hmm not a big fan of that champ but i also i'm trying to make sure that i guess my my views on how something is made are not colored by my own personal feelings about subject matters that may or may not be massively relevant to the way the text is being presented um i guess color my perception um it's an interesting one in in that do you get what i mean yeah yeah but the thing is is that your your current historical context and our, you know, our own personal backgrounds as well as our education as well as everything is going to colour the way that we are reading these texts. And mm. the whole point is is that you don't read texts in a vacuum. Yeah. You know, we're reading... Like, Sarah and I are reading this from very different backgrounds. Like, Sarah is... Like, even, even though we've both done the, the musical theatre PhDs, like, Sarah's really big on Gilbert and Sullivan. Like, I like Cats and, you know, a lot of people don't like that musical mm. at all. But it's because we we're exposed to different things at different times. And then you're kind of different again because... Obviously, you've been kind of dragged kicking and screaming into, like, musical theatre appreciation because of us. Sorry. Not mm. sorry. Um, but you have you, you, you bring your own set of expectations about the text. And you're also a man, which means you have a different set of expectations again yeah. compared to, like, us. And, like, yeah, I think that's definitely a part of how we're all reading this as well. Mm. Like, I, was, I wasn't, like, super thrilled about all the, like, misogyny and stuff, but I was kind of like, oh, I've seen films from this era that are like this before. Like, this is not news but when you you think about the way you read the text in your own context like yes we're gonna sit there and go we have a problem with Mm. the misogyny Mm. and we have a problem with racism and we have a problem with you know the way some of these matters are dealt with in older texts but then we're also shakespeare scholars and that has huge issues but we still love shakespeare we still watch good shakespeare and go wow that's some good shakespeare even though it's othello even though it's Merchant of Venice, mm. even though it's Taming of the Shrew. Or Cymbeline. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow, yeah, Cymbeline. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we can still <laughs> enjoy it while taking that stance. Mm. So it's it's the same. Lord of the Rings, because mm. I had to bring it back to that. Yeah, mm. A lot of people have you know, issues with the way that 
Tolkien writes women. Mm. Um, and I can still read it and enjoy it and say, well, there are some complex women here. And then there's Arwen mm. who just rocks up to get married. Like, you know, there are some issues here, but I still enjoy it. But then I watch something like Guys and Dolls and go, no, I just have issues. Speaking of rocking up to get married, um, the the wedding at the end was quite fun. Double barrel wedding. Yeah. Woo woo. When In, none of the characters have actually made up by this point. Or and at I'm, least not on screen. And I'm so mad about this as well because in the show, obviously, because like I haven't seen the film, obviously, mm. but I've seen it. I've seen a live performance of the show. And there's this whole like men suck song with the two lead women. Like they meet each other and it's like, oh, I'm like Sky's not quite girlfriend. Oh, I'm Nathan's not quite wife. I've been waiting to get married for 14 years. And they both basically have this all men are scumbags song, which is great. I can't even remember what it's called. But, but they should just get together themselves. I mean, yeah. Problem solved. Yeah, do it. Brilliant. But th- as a result, this 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 film, just all of a sudden it's like, oh, Bechdel test? Nope, don't pass that. Didn't I mean, it wouldn't that. with that song anyway, because that song was about men. Exactly. Just putting that out exactly. there. Exactly. So, you know, double whammy. But yeah, no, I am a bit mad about that, though, because I'm like, we dedicated all this time to, like, all of the, like, male-female coupleness and a whole bunch of time to, obviously, the gamblers doing their thing. And then it's just like, oh, we have a few numbers with the girls, but they're not actually going to talk. She has her one girlfriend who just hangs out in the background and is like, well, I guess you're getting married now. Like, Are they okay. even friends, though? The way they interacted, they didn't seem like friends. Oh, but, like, they're theatre people, so obviously they're going to be bitches to each other, clearly. Sure. Look, mm. I, yeah. That's just our whole relationship. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just very glad that we watched this film after getting married. Yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a bit close. Not that we were waiting 14 years to get married. Um, but, yeah. I Probably was just, felt like that way for a few there people. There was some waiting involved. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, it, it, yeah, it was... Um, it, it was a... It was very Shakespearean in that sense, where it's like, and we end with a double wedding. Yeah, no, when we were like, oh, it's wedding. I'm like, it's a comedy. It has mm. to end with a wedding. And a, a literal a literal freeze frame of everyone just stopping in place uh, on the New York street while the end comes up over the end, like it's an episode of Police Squad. It was just, uh, it was delightfully silly. Would you guys like some trivia about Guys and Dolls? Yes, please. It'll make it more interesting than the film. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, all of this trivia was sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true or interesting, don't blame me. Uh, And most of this trivia is going to be about the fact that Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra did not get along. Oh, that's so shocking. I'm so surprised by this. Of course they didn't get along. Um, After (laughs) filming repeated takes of the scene where Skye, Marlon Brando's character, and Nathan, Frank Sinatra, first meet, they had to quit for the day when Sinatra had eaten too much cheesecake. (laughs) Um, he said he could not take one more bite. Brando, knowing how much Sinatra hated cheesecake, had purposefully flubbed each take so that Sinatra would have to eat piece after piece of cheesecake. That is Dick so room. petty and I love it. The next day they came back and shot it perfectly on the first take. What a dick. That is so funny. Like, what What a what a, what a great prank to play on somebody you don't like. That's amazing. Mm. I think I would do that. Um, Brando had been cast in the role of Sky, which was a role that Frank really wanted. This is basically where all, all the trouble Animosity comes from. came from. Yeah. Uh, Sinatra, Sinatra's too old. Yeah, Sinatra ended up playing, obviously, the, the supporting role of Nathan Detroit. Relations between the two actors were strained during the production, and many years later, Brando said of Sinatra, Frank, I'm going to do it in the Godfather voice, Frank's the kind of guy who, when he gets to heaven, is going to give God a hard time for making him bald. <laughs> who says he's going to heaven? Wow. Wow, there is that. Well, yeah. Yeah. Hey, sit down, Frank. You are rocking that boat. <laughs> um, 
Frank Sinatra loathed also the fact that Marlon Brando um, got the starring part despite being a non-singer. Oh, yeah. Uh, his nickname for Brando was Mumbles. <laughs> That's... Oh, wow. And yet and yet, it was the bitchy women in theatre stereotype that mm. the movie plays into. That's funny. Yeah. Brando did actually approach Sinatra for help at the start of the thing, asking them for, like... Basically saying, we should get together and, like, rehearse the songs that we're we're both in and basically said that I need help to sound good. And Sinatra told him he did not go in for all that method crap and refused. (gasps) Like rehearsing? Yeah. Apparently (laughs) rehearsing is method (laughs) to Frank Sinatra. Wow, we're all method actors. We should should explain a lot about his, I'm I'm Frank Sinatra. I'm playing Nathan Sinatra in this film. I feel like like a movie about Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra trying to do this movie would be more interesting than the actual movie was itself. Who would you cast as Frank and as Mar- Marlon. You'd have to get somebody who could sing. Mm. So I think the Michael only person Bublé. you could do would have... Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. Michael Bublé. You'd yeah. have to do like... And that's funny, again, because he's a singer, not an actor necessarily. Then- so who would you get to play Marlon Brando then? Mm. I don't know actors. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm relying on Stephen. I'm going to say David Wenham. <laughs> <laughs> he can sing though. Oh, can he? Oh, okay. He can. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he'd not. need to be. He'd need to be a little bit more solid John around Goodman. the face. John Goodman's too old now. No, but I just want to see younger John Goodman. John Goodman. Just really be a dick with the cheesecake scene. Um, I'm. I, I, to be honest, I don't know who he could get to play Marlon Brando. I'm going to say Olden Ehrenreich, just because he played. Yes, solo. actually, actually, he's got the cheekbones. Yeah, I could, could see him doing. He it. could. He could do that. Okay. I mean, we all act with our cheekbones. And yeah. no, no, no. But specifically as well, no, no. He did a really, really. He's done. He's done a really good job of the few roles that I've seen him in, where he's done like accents and things like mm. that. I feel like if they're like, we want you to do like a Marlon Brando voice, he would like nail it. Okay, so watch out so, for Alden Ehrenreich and Michael Bublé, and Michael Bublé in the <laughs> film The Guys in Guys and Dolls. That's the name of the film. <laughs> the Guys in Dolls. Yeah. Um, speaking of. Um, Brando and his his work. Uh, he he worked very hard on the musical aspect and was constantly working with voice coaches and the choreographer Michael Kidd. But Marlon Brando thought that his voice sounded like quote the mating call of a yak end quote. Uh, he said um, he spent many hours in the sound studio recording his numbers over and over again. In the end, his songs were patched together from the retakes uh, that were played for shooting. Uh, years later, he wrote in his autobiography they. <clears throat> They said my words to give... I can't do his voice. I couldn't do it before. Now <laughs> I really can't. I wasn't going to say anything. I'm going to try that again. What's up, my beautiful boy? There we go. <laughs> they said my words together on one song so tightly that when I mouthed it in front of the camera, I nearly asphyxiated myself because I couldn't breathe while trying to synchronize my lips. <laughs> they shot my beautiful boy. Synchronize oh. my lips. Yeah. I'm going to stop doing Marlon Brando's Please, Please stop. Okay. Um... So, Marilyn Monroe wanted to play the part of Adelaide. Um, and I think she could have done she a pretty have done good job. Well, yeah. uh, this, you know, mid-50s. I think she would have she would have been good. But the uh, director, Joseph Menkowitz, did not want to work with her uh, after working with her on All About Eve, which we watched a couple of weeks back, Ellen. That's, that's interesting. Mm. She was very good in that. Yeah. Um, he, he didn't want to work with her again and supposedly pretended he never got her phone messages. Wow. Yeah. Now, she got... was she was good in all of that. That was her first big major role though, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, the first, it was before she started. Became famous. It's before she was Marilyn Monroe. I mean, she was still Marilyn, credited as Marilyn Monroe, but it was before it was, oh my God, is that 
it's like when you see Jeff Goldblum in Annie Hall. <laughs> it's like, what's Jeff Goldblum doing in this like one minute scene here? Like that kind of mm. thing. Um, yeah, it's but yeah, I, I guess Joseph, for what, for whatever reason, he decided he didn't want to work with with Marilyn Monroe in this film. So there you go. Um, Animal so he ghosted her. Must have had beef or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Animal lover Betty Grable was in talks to play Adelaide, but she cancelled a meeting with the producer Sam Goldwyn to be with her dog who had broken his leg. Aww. Goldwyn would not reschedule because he was miffed with her and dropped her from consideration. Aww. Good so, on if looking after a puppy, though. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And boo, Sam Goldwyn. Yeah. <laughs> boo. I boo you, sir. <laughs> Um, however, Samuel Goldwyn was so pleased with Brando's behaviour on and off screen for this film that he rewarded him with a brand new white Thunderbird. Holy crap. Which I believe is a car, not one of the puppets from the Jerry Anderson so, show. So you weren't a dick this time, so let's give you a prize. Apparently. Uh, Brando uh, went against the usual practice, his usual practice, sorry, and agreed to do substantial publicity for the picture. Uh, however, his good intentions were short-lived, and after some initial appearances on behalf of the film, he eventually refused to do any additional promotion, stating, and I'm not going to do the voice, I've done enough for that white thunderbird. Wow. I've done enough for that white thunderbird. You come to me on the day of my thunderbird's... What's it called when you service... <laughs> you come to me on the day of my thunderbird servicing. You expect me to do publicity? I hope it was a real good servicing. Mm. Uh, Gene Kelly was sought for the role of Sky Masterson, but MGM refused to loan Kelly to Samuel Goldwyn. Also makes sense. Mm. Would you have... I mean, yes, Gene Kelly would have probably been better than... He would have had a lot more dance solos and a lot less singing stuff. Gene Kelly's an okay singer. Like, he's fine, but he's much better at dancing. So what do you think they would have done differently with Sky's character if it's like you've got Mr... Hot feet himself, Gene Okay, Kelly. the scene the scene with um, Sarah where they're hanging out by the um, fountain after the brawl. Mm. Yeah, a random pub brawl because... Because she just started punching people. Okay, that was great though. I was like, yes, girl, you punch people. Yeah, at one point Get she on punched you. two people with the same swing and it was amazing. I like the one that um, was punched and then slid like 20 <laughs> yes. feet across the room and into yeah. the back of the stage. I was like, that's a hefty punch. She's got supernatural powers that she are does. not addressed in the rest maybe, of this film. Maybe, Jesus. She, maybe she's a werewolf and he's a vampire. Maybe that's Ooh, what it is. This no. is a much more interesting film. Yeah. Um, no, okay. they were out in full moonlight. She didn't transform. But back to, the, back to the fountain scene though. That scene would have been like a huge like dance duet number. They would have done like a little slow rumba together or something or other. And then they would have had the little kissy kissy bit, but there would have been no dialogue. That whole scene would have been dance. That is my prediction yeah, of Gene sexy, Kelly. Sexy dances rather yeah, rumba. than not so sexy yeah, um, singing. Mm. Uh, very few contractions such as aren't for are not or yes. wouldn't for yes. would not are used in this, this film. Um, the songs are different, but in terms of the dialogue, uh, they, they did not use very many contractions. Yeah. While it makes the language seem stilted and excessively formal at times, this was true to the writings of the original author of the short story, Damon Runyon. He also eschewed the use of contractions, and this characteristic gave his work a very recognisable style. The reason for this is to emphasise a character's lack of education and their feeble attempts to appear more learned than they actually were. Sounds about right. He sounds like he was a nice man. (laughs) Uh, The songs A Woman in Love, Pet Me Papa and Adelaide were written for the screen version and not in the original Broadway show. Yeah, they had... um... 
goody goody or something like that didn't they I, I don't know what you've got your back on your heels goody goody i'm pretty sure they had that or it was it was something like that i don't have the list of songs that they cut from this but uh they were written for it um on Broadway, Nathan Detroit does not sing the title song. This was added into the film, though, to increase Sinatra's singing part. Makes sense. Mm. Hey, look, if you've got Frank Sinatra Sorry. burning in your film's back pocket, like, get him out there. What do we want to see Frank Sinatra do? The Frank Sinatra thing! Um, director uh, Joseph Mankiewicz had the highest praise for Michael Kidd's choreography. He was sceptical at first when Kidd wanted to stage the crap game as a big ballet, but the choreographer's unique conception and execution of the number impressed everyone when it was finally screened. Well, there you go. I just found an interesting thing. Vivian Blaine, who was in the film, was the original Miss Adelaide on Broadway. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because there were a number of original cast members who appeared in this film. So Mm. after a try in Philadelphia, the play opened on Broadway on the 24th of November 1950, closing three years later after 1,200 performances. The play won a Tony for Best Musical and another for Best Choreography to Michael Kidd. Uh, Original cast members include Robert Alder, who's the father of Alan Alder of MASH fame. Yes. Um, He played Sky Masterson. Of course he did. Uh, Other actors who appeared in the original stage production, Isabel Bigley, Sam Levine, uh, Vivian Blaine as Adelaide, uh, Stubby K played nicely, John- nicely, nicely Johnson in both the stage play and the film. Yes. Uh, B.S. Pulley, who was Big Jewel, is the original Big Jewel. That's um, good. And Johnny Silver, who was Benny Southstreet, reprised his role as well. So that's impressive. Yeah. They don't do they don't do that much anymore. They don't. But yeah, nicely, <laughs> nicely, nicely, Benny, um, Big Jewel, and yeah, Adelaide were all played by their original Broadway stars. That's big biggies. They don't do that very much anymore. And maybe like, that's why, have star power. Maybe that's, that's why get... they were the characters that we all kind of liked the most. Because they had the most experience playing them. And yeah, it's like really they played these characters literally more than a thousand times. It would make sense. Mm. I found out what the uh, song was that she originally sang in the oh, original yes. one, and it's a bushel in a peck, which ah. is mm. a great, fun little song. Yes, it was one of the show, one of the shows, one of the songs uh, of the several cut. songs that were cut from the Broadway show, uh, including uh, a bushel in a peck, uh, my time of day, I've never been more in love, and more I cannot wish you. Uh, were all songs that were in the original and were cut. I don't know. Bushel in a peck is the only one out of any of those that is actually a banger. Okay, I'm just gonna say. <laughs> Before Samuel Goldwyn outbid Paramount for production rights, the studio uh, was hoping to assemble this following cast. Clark Gable as Sky Masterson. Ooh, interesting. Uh, Bob Hope as Nathan Detroit. Okay, yeah. I I would have liked to have seen that. Uh, Jane Russell as Sarah Brown. (laughs) And Betty Grable, uh, dog lover, as uh, Miss Adelaide. Nice. I think it's. I think they did a really good job with actually getting the original cast members back in again, though, because mm. I think they did a really brilliant job. Mm. The final bit of trivia I have: uh, Sam Goldwyn put in both Gene Simmons and Marlon Brando's contracts that he reserved the right to dub their singing. After, yeah. after long thought, he decided to have both do their own singing because, quote, I wanted everything about this picture to be honest. I had such great faith in these two people that they're <laughs> just gonna have to sing. End quote. Uh, both non-singing stars' voices were used in the film, and they Marlon both... Brando's voice is pretty good in this. Yeah, I'm just thinking a whole film about lying, and he wanted it to be honest. Mm. Does, did he know what he was filming? Probably an, on- <laughs> an honest man is only yeah no mm. yeah. I mean, it, it's about truth and lying. It's about honesty. Just because you're not honest doesn't mean that the film isn't about honesty. And isn't that the most truthful thing of all? No, it's not. Uh, so <laughs> Maybe the real friends are the lies we made to other people along the way. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Uh, all that remains is for us to score Guys and Dolls. And Dr. Ellen, you get to go first because this was your first time watching Guys and Dolls. Uh, what are you going to give it out of 10? Oh, God. I'm going to give it... <laughs> I'm going to give it four uncomfortably sexual cat costumes out of 10. Mm, they were uncomfortably sexual. They were, yeah, like, just... Okay. Like, conceptually... Sure, interesting, but yeah, I don't know why they had to have like everything is sexual beads draped under everything. their breasts just to like draw attention to them. Like we can, they're in skin tight cat suits mm. with like sparkly tights. But you said, we before, can see you said them. before the fur was fine, but the beads was too much. It was the fact that they were just accentuating the underside of the bust. Right. They like they, they were just part. <laughs> underboob sweat is the best part yes. It's like a physical representation of underboob sweat Look, some people are into that And we are not going to kink shame them This yeah. is a kink shame free podcast Yes, no, no, no As my, as my sister-in-law says We do not yuck anybody's yum But no. also, like, just, yeah Like, it was it was fine It's very, like, middling to hmm. slightly less than right. middling for me What about you, Sarah? What's it getting out of ten? Three Bacardi milks Mm. Yeah. We should put this in milk for children. It'll get them to drink it. Good idea. I actually thought it was a really funny line. It is quite funny. Yeah. But also the fact that he's like basically filling her with alcohol is kind of like Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's that's a problem. Um look, I I think this is a real middle of the road film where like I enjoyed bits of it. I enjoyed watching it with you guys, I think, more than it had I been by we myself. Were just like, this is just, yeah. <laughs> uh, if I was by myself just watching this, I probably I probably wouldn't have watched the whole thing, mm. I think. I may have I may have left. <laughs> um, oh. but but it's I, I that I think that's more because this isn't the sort of film that I necessarily love. Like, even though I was saying before I would watch Singing in the Rain, I probably would leave that one as well. Um, even though that's that's quite a good film and quite a good musical these sort of musicals and things they're not really my cup of tea they're not my uh coconut milk uh, Cocoa nut. with with bacardi so um but it was also it was fine i think i think that's that's ultimately all you can say about guys and dolls everyone it's fine so i'm gonna give it um i'm gonna give it five pram puppets out of ten uh, I, I'm going to give it five appearances of the Swedish chef before no! he was a thing out of ten. Because in the background of the wedding scene when they're pulling the cakes out, if you pause what you're watching, the man on the stairs in the chef's outfit looks exactly like the Swedish chef. I hate you so much. And it was terrifying. It was horrifying. And Sarah, who is particularly afraid. Is it fair to say afraid of the Swedish chef? Uh, yeah, he's the worst. I think we covered this in the first Christmas special. We yeah, did, the but Muppet just, Christmas ju- Carol. Go ju- back and watch that episode. Listen to that episode. But ju- three years on, you are still not a big fan of the I Swedish chef. I can deal chef. with pretty much every other type of puppet mostly, but not the Swedish yeah. chef. Don't make the noise. I'm not going to because we're friends. Instead, I'll do Marlon Brando doing an impression of the <laughs> Swedish chef. A hurdy. It's up, my boy. A hurdy gurdy. Flirty smurdy. <laughs> What is happening? I don't know. It's too hot is what's happening. And uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. So, Dr. Ellen, Dr. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Thanks for having us. Yay. Hashtag team pilot. Team pilot. Hashtag married. What? (laughs) I mean, that's only some of you. I mean, yes. That's that's leaving some of us out. Yeah. 
And thank you for listening. Hey, guys, we are rapidly coming towards the end of the year, and that means there's only a couple of opportunities left for you to help us pick what films we watch. Uh, I believe we have two more audience choice films coming up. One of them's the Christmas one. Uh, so if you want to join up our Patreon to help us pick those films, you can. Just go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast uh, for as little as a dollar a month. You get to contribute to that and you get other bonus goodies as well. So check it out over there. Uh, we're also on Facebook, um, you know, like your mum and your auntie and all those other people. Uh, we're on Facebook. You can find us there. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Uh, that's where the polls go up for people to vote on the films that we um, let the audience pick. So join up there and you'll get updates and all sorts of fun goodies like that. Maybe a picture of Nori the Bunny. Maybe. Who's still running around and not chewing cables like a good boy. Um, and of course, subscribe, you fools, if you're not already subscribed. If you're one of these people that's gone, well, I want to listen to the 186th episode of this podcast, better go back onto iTunes and find it manually. You can just subscribe. You can just find us Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, however you want to do it. We can be found by searching for the Cinema Catch-Up Club and clicking subscribe or follow or whatever button it is, and you'll get an episode each and every week. We bring it to you. Uh, but that is all for this week. So until next time, Goodbye. Good old reliable Nathan, 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 Detroit. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. Oh dear. Guys and dolls, we're, we're just, just a bunch of crazy, crazy guys, guys and dolls. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But the best Simpsons musical is the Planet of the Apes musical. It is the Planet of the Apes musical. It is the best worst musical. Mm. Can I play Gosh. the piano anymore? Of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. See, those are some interesting lyrics Mm. I could get behind. I hate you all. Can't you see from chimpan A to chimpan Z? No, you'll never make a monkey out of me. I don't know. Is he very, very big and very, very strong? They do have monkeys doing a kick line. Oh, my God. I was wrong. It was Earth all along. Oh, you finally made a monkey. Oh, yes, we finally made a monkey. Yes, you finally made a monkey out of me. I love you, Dr. Zayas. And then curtains close. Wild applause. Yeah. That was more fun than Guys and Dolls. (laughs) Well, I was mildly amused. So, yeah.